he is the bass player's Jimi Hendrix, and I would mm. argue that he's more like Jesus Christ. Hello, and welcome back to the Sleeping Situation Podcast, episode 150 extravaganza. I'm Ivy. I'm Matt. And uh, it's 10 p.m. We're recording a little bit later than usual-ish, slightly. And, uh, but we're excited, because it's episode 150, and that seems like, like a significant number. So significant, I can't even speak. I sit at home and work from home all day, I don't talk to anybody, and now I have to, uh, get my voice in gear. Hey, the Sleeping Situation Podcast, if you're just now tuning in for the first time, welcome! It's our 150th episode, you have plenty of catching up to do, but, uh... On this podcast, we're going to chat about our lives a little bit, uh, tell you a little bit about what we've been up to. We're going to recommend you some things to check out. We're going to review a movie, and uh, then we're going to play a slight variation on one of our traditional podcast games. Traditional podcast games? Yeah, you know, like those old-fashioned podcast games, but now it's episode 150, so we're moving into the future. Way of the future. Hey, what's up? Nothing. What's up with you? <laughs> what's up, dog? You can talk first. Okay. Um, what's up with me? My hair's pink. I did it. Hey, you know your hair. I know of it. Uh, my specific uh, social media post was, uh, I can't believe this didn't happen sooner. Uh, mostly the reason why it didn't happen sooner in this uh, stuck-at-home times we've been having is because I paid $120 to have my hair colored in January. And I have never paid to have my hair colored in my life until then. And it cost a lot of money. Uh, I used, like, Christmas money. Like, my my parents had given me, like, money on purpose to be like, I know you want to get your hair did, so go get your hair did. So that paid for a lot of it, but it was still expensive. Uh, and then nobody saw me for you know, six months. And I was like, damn it, I paid so much to have my hair ombre dyed that I'm going to keep it for as long as possible because I got to get my money's worth, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I decided I needed to change. I came into possession of some pink hair dye uh, through the influencer site. They sent me uh, like a free sample, basically. And uh, it was the color that I wanted to do anyway. So I decided to just uh, jump off the deep end and uh, do it. I've dyed my hair by myself before. It's what I usually do. Uh, I made many miscalculations because I've never had long hair. And every time I've dyed my hair on my own, it has been a pixie cut, which is very short. So I didn't have enough of pretty much everything. I have a lot more hair than I realized. Not only is it longer, I technically generally have like thick hair like people that cut my hair always tell me that Uh, so I know it's true I have a lot more hair than it seems even though my hair is very straight and flat I have a lot of it somehow Uh, that is a lot of personal details about me but anyway uh, so when I do my hair it's like a three-step process you have to bleach it so that it's all light enough in the same color to take the color you're gonna put on top and you put like a toner on so it's not so yellow from the bleach and then you put the color on top It took me about seven and a half, eight hours on Sunday to do my hair. I did the bleach. I put it all on. Uh, I had bought two things of bleach. They come in these little packets. You mix it up. And uh, 
I took the like shower cap thingy off when it was done and I had missed a lot of spots. <laughs> mostly on the top of my head and mostly on like the side that I did last uh, because I was running out of bleach and I was like, well, I'll just put all this on and see what happens. And so I had to put on a hat and go back to a different Sally's Beauty Supply in shame and buy more bleach. <laughs> Uh, I did go to a different one than the one I had visited that morning to buy all my supplies because I was like, I can't face them. I can't face my mistakes. So I went to the one on the other side of town. Uh, but then I bleached it again and it was fine. So step one, I actually had to do twice. The toner was fine. I probably could have used a little bit more of it, but it, I made it through. It really only matters like what's on the top because it's really what you see most of the time. And then it took me five tubes of pink. And I probably could have used one or two more. But, uh... My hair is like a peachy coral now, and I love it. I feel like the anime protagonist of my dreams. I feel adorable. I feel special. I feel cute. And I am uh, very happy with it. Oh, my other story from hair dyeing is that uh, between each step you have to blow dry your hair, so I blow dried my hair like four times that day, and I believe it was the third time I was blow drying it. Uh, I had my hair flipped upside down, and then went full force to flip it back up and whacked the back of my head on the doorknob in the bathroom and it hurt so bad. And it's not a bump anymore, but it does still hurt when I touch it, so it's like a bruise, well, I'm assuming. It. But uh, my hair's on top of it, so we'll never know. Uh, but man, that hurt really, 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 really bad. And I stood up under my lofted bunk in college a couple times and I think this hurt worse than that because I don't think I ever got a bump any of those times, but I feel like those times I hit, like, a larger surface area, the, like, very condensed, like, fist of the doorknob just banging down on my head. And I flipped, like, as hard as, you know, mm -hmm. as hard as I could because I thought I was in the clear. And uh, I had a big old bump, big old, big old egg on my noggin. Uh, so that hurt, and I'm still suffering, but it's worth it because I like my pink hair. You know why you did that? It's because you're short. <laughs> when you're when you're a tall person, you are more aware of low hanging things. Low hanging fruit. Because uh, you whack your head on them more. <laughs> yeah. Though I did hit my head twice when we were in the house last time. We're gonna have to put up some pool noodles. I think. I think some caution tape. <laughs> I think what I would like to do is get a uh, a poster of because that's going to be music space in the basement. Mm -hmm. So I think what I would like to do is get a poster of the Beastie Boys album "Check Your Head." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, stick it directly on above the staircase. <laughs> sure. I. That's funny enough that I'll allow it. Also, maybe we should get like an LED strip or something to put on there. So that it is a... Uh, it's lit, fam. I mean, yeah, I was just... I was honestly <laughs> thinking about just getting like a, a chunk of foam. Yeah. Like, you know, like a little squishy... Mm -hmm. A squishy foam? Yeah, and like stapling it to the ceiling thing. <laughs> you know... Uh, you do whatever you gotta do. But, uh, don't, don't be leaning under any doorknobs, because, man, I threw my hairdryer across the room, not because I was, like, angry, just because, like, it hurt and I had to get it out of my hand because it hurt so bad. You know what I'm, like, have you ever, like, hurt yourself and been holding something and you just had to, like, drop it? No, I throw it because I'm angry. See, I wasn't angry. I was just, like, this hurts so bad that I need to, like, put both of my hands on it. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to throw my hair dryer. It's fine. I didn't break it or anything. And uh, I cried for, like, two minutes. And then I was, like, I wasn't, like, sad. And I wasn't, like, 
dying, but I was like, it just hurts so bad. Kind of like when you stub your toe and you're just like, it just hurts so bad and there's nothing you can do about it. I also stubbed my toe really hard the other day. Um, So, you know, it's just a dangerous, uh, dangerous time. Um, On Saturday, we went to an apple orchard. We participated in the fall. We put on plaid shirts and went to the apple orchard. Uh, Were you going to talk about that, Annie? Would you like I was to talk going about to it men- together? No, I was going to mention it, but... It is the most prominent thing that we've done recently. Uh, so the reason we went to the apple orchard, besides it just being a seasonal activity, is that uh, our friend was proposing to our other friend and asked us to come and, like, be there to celebrate. And so that was really nice. They got engaged. We love them. We're happy for them. We got pumpkins. We all sat around. We drank apple cider, the alcohol kind. At like noon. That was that was bad. <laughs> that was came a home and slept. I mean, it was really good. It was really good. Um, and I would recommend it. But uh, you know, we were partying. Yeah. Uh, what was that? What's that place called? It's called Bent Ladder. Yeah. What's the orchard called though? Uh, Ritman Orchard. Ritman. In Doylestown. Uh, it's a neat little place. I've been there a couple times. Um, they have like a little like a little market, and we got some good stuff in there. I I tried the tea that we got. Mm. It is delicious. We got like a decaf vanilla tea in this very cute tin. Mostly we just wanted the tin, so I we had to the find tin. the tea. We wanted the tin, so we had to pick the tea that, like, they they had several teas. So mm-hmm. we're like, we want one of the tins, but we got to figure out which tea we're actually going to like so that we can get a tea in a tin. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, we got apple cider. We got apple butter. And I got some gourds. Uh, so I'm ready it is it is officially autumn times. Uh, that's all we did, right? And then we there was a uh, uh, a donut truck, sort of like you'd see at like the fair. Uh, we got some little donuts. They were delicious. Those were good ass donuts. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, L- what was it? Lurch's donuts. Lurch's donuts, I believe. Yeah, because the bag said like look out for Lurch's donuts <laughs> or watch out for Lurch's donuts, and I was like, that's ominous. They're coming <laughs> to get you. Um, but they were good donuts. Uh, so if you ever see them around, get some. But yeah, then we just uh, we hung out outside. It was nice to be out. It was a pretty day. It was lovely. And then we came home and just uh, took a nap and laid around. And I never nap. And I took like a 20-minute nap. And that was miraculous. I felt a little bit like it felt like the next day when I woke up and that's what I hate. I was like, is it tomorrow? Is it? And I think that's why I can't remember what day it is this week, because there was, like, an extra sleep in there. And in my brain, because yeah, I never okay. nap, that means it's another day. Yeah, okay. So we had two Saturdays, I think. Um, but that's about it on that. And uh, the only other thing I was going to mention is that Matt brought home a bunch of boxes for us to use for moving. And now we have Box Mountain in our living room. <laughs> uh, people are coming to view our apartment on Thursday, so should we, we should probably clean up, like, we little bit. Yeah. Probably just just enough so they can like walk around and that we're not like embarrassed. Like, please don't judge us for being slobs. Um, But I also a little bit don't care because I'm like, I don't give a fuck if they rent this apartment because this place has been okay in some ways and also really sucked in other ways. So I'm like, I I don't care. We should like we should write them a letter (laughs) and like you should slip it to them on their way out. Like, here's the real deal about this place. Uh, Sometimes water comes up through the floor. Uh, and also sometimes mice get in. Lots of times mice get in. Uh, the air conditioning is on a light switch in the closet. <laughs> it doesn't echo in here anymore, but it's probably because it's just full of stuff now. Did it used to echo in Remember here? Remember if you stood in the middle of the room, there was like an echo? 
Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, there's probably just too much stuff in here now. Yep. And stuff on the walls. I There was a picture came up on my time hop the other day, and it was from like two or maybe three years ago, and I'm standing over there, and there's nothing on that wall, and it's super <laughs> weird looking. Because that's where I take all my selfies, because that's the only place that there's light. Right. Like, natural light, so I stand in front of, like, the, the sliding glass door, and I open the blinds. Because otherwise, it's just, like, the light in here is so yellow that, like, all the... Yeah. I have to either edit them a lot... Or the pictures look gross, so I try and take them in the yeah, natural light. The over light there. in here is terrible, and the uh, our window faces like the east. I think. Wait a minute, which way is north? Uh, that way. Yeah, so it is east. I thought you said west. Our our window faces the east, so after like ten o'clock in the morning, there's no direct sunlight. In yeah. Here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very dark and sad. Uh, so, anywho. Uh, Box Mountain is here. Ray thinks they're all for her. She keeps That's... trying to scale Box Mountain and then knocking them over and then running away because she scares herself. Are you calling it that because that's what we call it at work? Yeah. Okay. Box Mountain has moved here. I was like, I thought that was funny that you were referring to it as Box Mountain because that's where those boxes came from. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is a uh, Box Mountain Junior or something. <laughs> uh, that's all. What what you got to add? What have you been up to? Oh, nothing. Um. I, I did a thing this week, and I, I changed the necks on one of my bases, and uh, it sounds totally different now, and I'm pretty happy with it so far. I don't like how it looks as much. It's still weird to me to not see it with the maple neck on it, mm -hmm. uh, but now it has the rosewood neck on it. This is super insider baseball, <laughs> like, nerdy base stuff, but uh, yeah. Baseball. But ba ass ball. I hate you. Um yeah, it's, uh, I just changed the neck, and it's a different material, a different wood, and it makes it sound different. How about that? How about? Uh, I get to pick up my uh, new interface on Saturday, oh, which is yes. exciting. So hopefully it'll sound maybe better. I don't know. It might sound better. It certainly will work better, and that's... We won't get any weird ground noises. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, I sold a pedal today. And I'm proud. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of you also. I'm trying, actively trying to get rid of some stuff. Now's the time to do it. Um, I I'm, dropped off a ginormous trash bag of like clothes to donate the other day, and I'm just like, it feels good to be rid of things. I mean, we could probably. There's more stuff. Yeah, I we can, can, get we can rid definitely of. find more. That bag was so heavy that it was like ripping though, because it had. Oh. Well, it had some shoes in it. That's probably why. We it was should so heavy, do that but, this weekend at some yeah. point. Um, the, uh, my band Acronauts just got back our masters for upcoming tunes. I haven't even listened to them yet, so I'll keep you posted. That's exciting, though. Uh, getting the Acronauts out to the people. Uh, I went to Aldi tonight to get cat food, and somebody said hi to me. Like Acme. They, Acme? What did I say? Aldi. Oh, I went you to went Acme. went to Aldi's yesterday. Yeah. I went to, uh, all right, listen. Whoever organizes Aldi needs slapped in the face. I walked around for, I kid you not, 15 minutes looking for pepperoni. <laughs> and uh, I was too embarrassed to ask anyone, and then I did, and they're like, oh, it's in not at all where pepperoni should go. So, cool, thanks. I don't know where um, stuff is in that store, but I think it makes slightly more sense in the one I usually go to. Well, I went to the Acme tonight to get my medication and cat food, and somebody said hi to me, and I have no idea who they are, so if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, that I actually didn't know who you were, even though I pretended like I did because I was embarrassed. I mean, people have masks on. Like, it's... Yeah, it makes it really hard to tell. Indeed. That, that's about what's going on, though. What did I say the other day? Like, 
oh, it's ridiculous that people don't know it's Superman because he has glasses on. Right. But also, anybody covers the bottom half of their face with a mask, and I'm like, I can't, oh, who is no, that? No, I can't tell at all. Yeah. I mean, I well, I can't tell sometimes with people with their not a mask on. <laughs> Anyhow, that's all that's going on. All right. If it sounds like there's lots of edits tonight, it's because I had a big old cup of apple cider. Before we start a recording, I'm going to have to pee a lot. Tiny bladder man over here. Yeah. For being such a tall, gangly boy. You must have something else that's uh, in the way. I I don't or know. Or your your organs just didn't get uh, proportional. I don't know. So you have you have like the the like stomach and esophagus space of a tall, tall man, but the bladder of someone much smaller. I mean, so I, you, you I can don't, drink more than your bladder can hold. I don't eat that much, though. No, not really. I usually eat more pizza than you. That's a personal problem. <laughs> so is it time for everyone's favorite segment? Yes. It's Things of the Week. Things of the Week. Pop. Go. You're being very participatory today. I'm trying because I'm sleepy. Very participatory. <laughs> participatory. This week, my Things of the Week include I started listening to music again. For a while, I was in a big rut, and I was like, I don't feel like listening to music ever. Uh, but lately, I'm, I'm getting back into it. So, uh, first thing, I found a band called I Don't Know, uh, I Don't Know How, But They Found Me. Uh, I had heard of them before. It's I Don't Know How, But They Found Me, all capital letters. They, mm -hmm. they um, shorten it by IDK How, is like one word, oh. if you're going to do it like shortened. It's, uh, it's like a, a duo. It's a bass and drums thing. It's the... Guy that used to play bass for Panic at the Disco a couple years ago, uh, Dallin Weeks is his name. He plays bass and sings, and then there's a drummer that he used to be in a different band with, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but the two of them put out some EPs and some singles. I don't think there's a full album. They're just kind of like short little hmm. things that have come out over the past like three years or so, three or four years. Uh, they're really good. It's kind of like electropop kind of thing, but it's in that bass and drum kind of style. I think some of it might have synth on it, but I'm not positive. It's very synth poppy, though. So the subtext here is that Ivy knows of a bass and drum duo band that I've never heard of that she hasn't told me about until this moment. I mean, I listened to them literally yesterday. Okay. I was going to say, I'm... I'm, <laughs> I'm a... not positive you would like it. Okay. Uh, we'll listen, we could listen to some. Okay. Uh, at some point, and we can see if you like it. But I'm not sure if you would. It's, it's, I would say it's sort of in the vein of like Panic at the Disco 1975 kind of... You might like some of their songs better than others, but it's definitely not like Royal Blood. That's, okay. the, that's the other bass and drums one, right? Yes. I was like, am I saying the right band? Because you looked at me very blankly. I was like, am I saying the total wrong thing? Because sometimes I do that. No, Royal Blood and uh, Death From Above. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very different. All right, that's not even fair. Like, I feel like those bands get stuck in the same box all the time because they're two-piece bands mm -hmm. with bass and drums, and they're not the same band at all. I would say... This, uh, I don't know how they found me, is close, um, closer to Death From Above. Mm. Um, maybe you'll like it. I don't know if you will or not. Um, I also listened to the most recent Five Sauce album. I've been listening to a decent bit of Five Seconds of Summer lately, like the older albums, but I had never listened to the album that came out this year yet, and I listened to a few of the singles from it this week, and it is good. So I need to sit down and listen to the rest. I don't, I used to be that person who like pre-ordered everything and like listened to the album, like the full thing the day it came out. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't know why in the past, like, two or three years I've stopped doing that. Uh, so I feel like I don't, I like, I put off listening to albums for a long time. And I think it's like a, a brain familiarity thing that I'm just like, I don't know if I'm going to like it. So I don't know if I want to commit to listening to the whole thing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's definitely a thing. Yeah. Like my brain doesn't want to listen to something new a lot of the time. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I wasn't super thrilled with the newest Tame Impala record. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty good, but it's not great. And then the uh, the newest Beck record kind of killed. No, that's mm-hmm. not true. The Colors record. I was just like, all right, I'm not <laughs> buying any more new music yeah. until I've listened to it first. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I did also finally listen to the uh, the newest 1975 album. I'm going to have to listen to it some more. It doesn't, doesn't really tickle my fancy that much. It's fine. There are some songs I like and some, to- some songs that I'm just like, eh. Um, so who knows? Um, also listen to a lot of Arctic Monkeys lately. Also can't stop listening to Sky Ferreira. I believe that's, I'm saying that right. Um. Uh, she has one album and then a handful of EPs, and they're really great. She's kind of like that, just like indie pop kind of singer, sort of like a, like Halsey maybe, um, but she's really good. Um, other than music, I can't stop watching Attack on Titan. I watched eight episodes today alone. That is not good for my health, uh, but it's very addicting. It's very good, and it's you know it's like a an anime made from a manga so like the endings are very cliffhangery because like that's how you write comics to get people to buy the next comic um but not necessarily in a bad way like it's in a very like you're hooked kind of way um it's also i mean a bit darker than the other shows that i've been watching uh lots and lots of death lots of uh killing monsters uh people die in every single episode all of your favorite characters nobody is safe one of my, my favorite boys is gone, and I it hurts me. I can't think about it. <laughs> he was so pure. He had freckles on his nose, and I was in love with him, and now he's gone. Um, but it's a really good show, so I would recommend it. Uh, it was on um, Adult Swim when it first when the, the, the dub first came out. Hmm. Um, so if that gives you any like indication of what level of grittiness of anime it was. Um, but it's good. Um, I also downloaded a new, like, picture editing app on my phone that someone suggested to me. It's called PixArt, P-I-C-S-A-R-T. Um, it's kind of annoying because it has all those pop-ups. It's like, don't you want to download the the newest version? Don't you want to pay us for a subscription or whatever? But, uh, once you just X out of those, they're not too bad, but it's like, there's enough of them. Um, but it can do some really cool things, especially for being, like, a phone app. You can, like, um, the coolest thing about it one thing that I can do um, is you can, like, cut pictures out and make them transparent and then, like, put them over, like, a background or something. So that's really oh. fun. Or, like, you can cut out, like, you know, like, graphics and, like, put them over. So while I was dyeing my hair during the toning segment, my hair was, like, silver because I had put, like, the the stuff that sort of um, cancels out, like, the yellowish mm-hmm. tones to make it more of a neutral color to put the pink on top of. And it was kind of like a silverish gray color, which made me look like the guy from Yuri on Ice when he had long hair. So I photoshopped, he wears like a blue flower crown at one point when he has like long gray hair. So I flower, photoshopped, photoshopped, but in Pix app, Pix art, uh, a blue flower crown on my head and sent it to my friend like, look, I'm Victor. Um, so like, but it was super easy to do in the app and usually like you can't like cut stuff out mm-hmm. of like pictures. So that, that's a super handy thing. So if you're looking for like a fun photo editor, um, I'm liking that one. Um... The hair dye I used was Wella Color Charm paints. They're pretty good. I usually use Ion Brights. Um, they're both brands that you can buy at Sally's Beauty Supply. 
Um, that's where I usually buy my hair dye. I don't like to get like the ones from the drugstore. They're not as good for your hair. They're more like salon quality if you buy them there, but they're only like three or four bucks a tube. And I got some of mine for free, but if I had bought them all like to get all the pink, so it would have been like, what, 20 bucks or so, $24 or something. Um, so I mean, it's still pretty reasonable, but like way better for your hair than the stuff you buy at the drugstore. Um, but it, it looks really good. So I'm happy with how it came out. We'll see how long it, uh, wears how many washes it lasts and uh lastly those little pillsbury holiday cookies that you peel off the thing and stick on the on the cookie sheet i know you should have to cut them out of the tube you don't cut them out of the tube anymore and that makes me sad but they still taste really good they're just like sugar cookies they're nothing special but i love them uh i've eaten too many of the ones that we made there's also a whole nother pack in there that I'm going to try and wait a while because I ate like 10 of them in the past, not probably more than 10 of them in the past, like three days. So, uh, I've had like four. Of I those. know I ate most of them. <laughs> <laughs> I have depression. Things of the week. You can't play that card with me. It's just because you're here all day. That's why. No, I ate like 12 of them the night we made them. <laughs> I just wanted them. You can't say, I have depression, as that's not an excuse. <laughs> yes, it is. Hun. Uh, you told me I could have cookies for dinner because I was sad. I didn't say that. <laughs> I said you can't eat cookies for dinner. No, I asked you if I could have them because I was sad, and you said yes. Because you are, you want to make me happy, and you're very sweet to me. So you, you told me I could do this bad thing to myself. <laughs> you go ahead. Your turn. <laughs> Okay, um, uh, I was listening to the, uh, the Basis podcast, which I talked about last time, uh, it's the Basis podcast with Jamie Lewis, and, uh, he interviews musicians and stuff, and this, I guess, it, it's been a couple weeks, but I've been kind of going back through and, like, hitting people I know, and, uh, episode 100 is Adam Neely, who is one of my favorite <laughs> YouTubers, and they got into this really great discussion about, kind of the future of music because you know like it, things are bad mm -hmm. now for music and nobody made any money from music anyhow yeah and uh how like gross that it is um but they're basically talking that they said that that he thinks that like twitch is going to be mm. the next thing for musicians because it's like you know, live interactions with the band and stuff. Um, but they were talking about, cause I'm like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't think that that's, that should be a thing. Mm -hmm. Cause I guess I'm old now and I'm like, bands should have records. Um, but they were saying how, and I, this is not, this is something I had never thought about before was he said that the medium dictates the art. Mm-hmm. He said that, uh, you know, for thousands of years, nobody told stories in 30-minute chunks, but you have to make it 22-minute chunks, and you have to do it at six minutes at a time, because every six minutes we have to show three minutes of commercials. Mm -hmm. He's like, that was not a thing until the 50s. Yeah. And then that's how you got to tell stories on TV. And he's like, mm -hmm. Netflix completely destroyed that. Yeah. And now Netflix, they can do whatever they want because it's streaming. And they even said, like, uh, that they thought that Netflix 
and like streaming services is going to kill movies mm-hmm. because and they even said movies are two hours because that is the most reasonable amount of time that you could sit on your butt in a movie theater. Two hours is too long. Right. 90 minutes. Ivy has <laughs> strong opinions. I'm sorry. That Avengers movie was like three and a half hours long. Fuck that. You don't need that much time to tell. No. No. I didn't um, see it, so I don't care. But like, also, are you crazy? But also, they don't put intermissions in movies anymore. Right. You know, in like old, long, long movies, they put an intermission. They're like, all right, here's five minutes. You can go to the bathroom and get some more popcorn. But yeah. like, um, but even they were talking about, you know, uh, why are songs three and a half minutes? Because that's the size of a single. Because that's how much music you could fit onto a 78. So yeah. that's just, it became that. And then it's, mm-hmm. you know, there were no 20 minute rock songs <laughs> because the medium wouldn't l- allow it. Yep. And so they're saying that like, um, even the, you know, recorded music is a pretty new thing. Mm, relatively, yeah. 120, 140 years old at this point, you know. Um, so, and they're you know, like, you know, music existed for a long time before that. Mm-hmm. And now that's just, you know, we're kind of stuck in that mode because it's just what we know. But that's not that old it's of a arbitrary. thing. It's arbitrary. Right. And yeah. it's... They, yeah, so... Like, it, anymore, it's right. arbitrary. And I still have, like, an hour and a half of this interview to go. Yeah. Uh, it's it's super interesting. Adam Neely is, like, the smartest dude on the planet, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also super depressing because <laughs> I'm like, I want to put out a record and people will buy it and go on a tour and, you know. Um, but that's uh, not how things are done anymore. I'm hoping things will go back to, like, slightly normal. Yeah. Uh, but he also, um, uh, Jamie says all the time, he's like, music is worthless. Like, I can have all of the music for $10 a month. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know. Worthless monetary. Right. right. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. what he's saying is that it, it has no value, has no monetary value anymore. Yeah. He's like, you know, take all of the, spo- the songs on Spotify and divide that into $10. Like, how much are you really paying to listen to an album? I mean, if you listen to it on YouTube if, and you're willing to listen to an ad, it's free. Right. You know what I mean? Um, or whatever. Yeah, so it's just, I mean, the whole music-making system has been broken forever mm-hmm. because uh, artists are sad, sensitive people, and then bullies are like, I can make money off of that guy. And uh, that's how the record industry works. Uh, okay, moving on. You're going to give me $100 for all, all my, my songs? Where am I signed, Mr. Barry Gordy? Yep. Uh, nextly... Uh, a gift, a gift from the YouTube algorithm. Um, and it's somebody even commented like, whatever's going on in the YouTube algorithms working really well this <laughs> month. Uh, YouTube suggested to me an album, uh, by a guy called Boogaloo Joe Jones, <laughs> which is a hilarious name. And the, uh, the tight, it's like psychedelic jazz soul guitar. And I'm like, well, I have to listen to this now. And uh, I listened to the whole thing. And it's like an hour and a half long. And it's fantastic. Uh, Very, like, 60s electric jazz. uh, But with, like, congas. And uh, it's not really psychedelic. It's just kind of, like, 60s instrumental soul funk. Um, But I'm super into it. And it makes me mad that somebody did what 
I'm doing with ditties in the 60s, but it's fine. I need to know if it gets a uh, a, uh, a timestamp pass because it's jazz. Is jazz allowed to be an hour and a half long album? Because it's jazz? I actually think it's two albums. The way that uh, it's kind of, the, just the way that the you, the the video was. So it literally um, is your 45 minute perfect. It's just, it's two 45 minutes, yeah. Um, but uh, sometimes, sometimes jazz gets a pass. Because mm. like Bitches Brew is two albums, but like Pharaoh's Dance is 20 minutes. And Ugh. then Bitches Brew is 20 minutes. Miles. <laughs> I don't know if that's, even if you're Miles, I don't know if that's allowed. But anyway. <laughs> Probably um, only if you're Miles, that's allowed. All right. Uh, I also, I wanted, I, I've been into live albums lately. Because hmm. uh, there's a certain amount of, you know, you can fudge stuff and everything's very controlled in like a studio environment. Mm-hmm. But there's a certain thing to live records where it's like, no, that's five dudes on a stage yeah. playing this stuff. Um, and... A good re- a, li- a a good live record is hard to come by, I think, because there's lots of bad ones mm-hmm. that just don't sound right, and are just weird, and or like the performance is off, or there's too much crowd noise, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I googled best ever live albums. <laughs> Do you want to take a stab at what the greatest live album ever is? Uh, According to Rolling Stone, who is it? Uh, Led Zeppelin at. Um Pompeii? What did I do? Is it Pink Floyd? <laughs> did I do it again? Yes, you did. That one, though. Pink Floyd at Pompeii. That was never officially released as an album. Oh, so that doesn't count? I, I'm not sure why. Somebody is just sitting on those <laughs> master tapes. So it wasn't that. What the hell, Gilmore? No. Um, wait, wait, wait. Is it a Cheap Trick at Budokan? No, that one was up there. <laughs> what is it? Um, they Okay, I was severely offended that they put uh donny hathaway live at like 47 it was like what that's like i can't uh. even that made me mad um but uh james brown live at the apollo ah uh. which is like the first live album oh really, really? yeah hmm. um that was not a thing that people did then like a, a lot like a concert album mm-hmm. they just didn't do that hmm. uh and i guess uh james brown just paid for it himself that's pretty cool uh, anyhow, back to my, my actual thing. Um, I, I discovered an album called, it, the band is called The Quintet, hmm. which is a lofty claim <laughs> to just call yourself The Quintet. Yeah, not like The Whoever right. Quintet. Or... Except for, except for, <laughs> it's Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Charles Mingus, Bud Powell, and Max Roach. Well, I know some of those people. That's the most ridiculous five people you could ever put on a stage together, ever. That's jazz, right? Yes. Very jazz. Yeah. Uh, Mingus. The, the album is the Quintet Jazz at Massey Hall. Uh, it's the only performance they ever did. Really? Uh, the, it was like a special thing that yeah. got those five people together to do that. It's amazing. Hmm. Uh, just, I mean, between... I love Dizzy Gillespie. Bud Powell and Max Roach are He's a uh, trumpet? Yes. With the big cheeks and the, the bell that goes up in the air. Uh, You've seen Dizzy. You know Dizzy. Um, I just know his name. Charlie Parker is just not from Earth. And uh, Mingus is just... He's keyboards, right? Who? Mingus. No, Mingus is bass. Oh. Um, well, nuts. Mingus is 
probably the greatest upright bass player ever. Hmm. Lofty claim, but I, I think well-founded. I vote for uh, the cat from Aristocats. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of bass uh, cats... No, Pigpen. What? Pigpen is the greatest upright bass player ever. Doing windmills on the upright. <laughs> um, speaking of bass and cats, uh, bass cat from our friend uh, Abby is my new favorite thing in the whole planet. Bass and cats and bass and cats. Oh, my God. Um, also, apple cider. Wait, also, you should explain bass cat. Tell, tell the people what it is. Friend of the podcast, Abby, drew bass cat, and it's just imagine a cat playing bass, and that's what it is. Uh, and she shared it to Twitter and said that it was inspired by the podcast and uh, my little ditties records. And I am humbled and uh, extremely grateful, and it's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> And, uh, we need it as a sticker. I love it. Uh, no, I want it just like a print. <laughs> can I get a print? Abby, if you're listening to this, can I get a print of that? I'll pay you money. Just let me know <laughs> how much. Uh, I'll send you, I'll just mail you a blank check and you can just... Um, <laughs> $10,000! Uh, yeah, good one. Uh, apple cider. We got some apple cider. Ivy bought me some apple cider. Mm. I love apple cider. Um, even though it makes me pee a bunch. <laughs> Uh, Why do the things we love always destroy us? I don't know. Um, there's a YouTube channel that I think people should check out if you're a music fan. It's called Trash Theory. Hmm. And he does a bunch of videos that are like, uh, for example, the one is, uh, I forget exactly how he phrases it, but it's like before Black Sabbath, how metal became metal. Hmm. And he starts like way back and kind of traces the steps that led up to that, like, the seminal albums. Yeah. Um, so he did um, Black Sabbath. He's done uh, a pop punk. So it's, like, before Ooh. before Dookie. Right. How pop punk became pop punk. Um, that, that one's actually that really cool. Because cool. he goes in and he talks about, like, the kinks and the who. and um, And then goes into, like, uh, oh, geez, like, Blondie and television and The Clash and... Like, mm -hmm. kind of tracing it all the way up to that. It's really interesting to cool. see, like, the step. The cool thing is, too, that there's, like, always bands that I've never even heard of. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ooh, I gotta check. Because it'll play, like, little clips of stuff. Yeah. Um, so the one I watched uh, last night was um, Shoegaze. Like, how Shoegaze became. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're really interesting. They're actually pretty long. But there's so many good bands in it. And it's such an interesting thing how he talks about, like, you know, the progression into that. Yeah. Uh, but he says, like, uh, early uh, early shoegaze... Inf Basically, he says the first thing that you could even consider in the shoegaze box is Be My Baby. Nice. Just because <laughs> of the production, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, which I was like, all right, I'm on That's board. That's so cool I'm that on board. that far. Yeah, yeah, like, all the way back. You know, like, he starts metal at Chuck Berry. Interesting. Very interesting. It's some of the... Yeah, they're really cool videos. Yeah. Um, also, tacos, you have to get the authentic Mexican place tacos or it doesn't count. Uh, we went back to Applebee's for the first time yeah. since February, probably. It was great. And also those little little pumpkin cookies you put on the yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry I ate them all, but I have another pack. That's fine. Yeah, we gotta we gotta figure that out. Um, a coworker mentioned to me, because I mentioned that, uh, that you made those cookies, mm -hmm. that they... We're watching like a compilation of '80s commercials or something, 
and there was a commercial for those cookies, mm -hmm. but they didn't have the stencils in them yet. They were just plain? They were just plain sugar cookies, and you just, you know, yeah. take them out of the tube, and you cut them up, and you stick them on the thing. Yeah. And then they showed, like, they were putting, like, a pumpkin on it or something with icing. Oh, cute. Um, I mean, that's, like, that's that's the marketing of those now, though, is that, like, oh, the Halloween ones are out, like, oh, the Christmas tree ones are out, yeah. like, oh, the they make heart ones for Valentine's or, like, Easter eggs. Like, they make them for every holiday or, like, right. every season, and, like, that's how, that's the only reason they sell them, is because it's, like, oh, you need the holiday. Like, right. I mean... They wouldn't taste any different, but I would definitely no. like them less. Yeah, it's like, it makes them special somehow. Like, that's the that's the appeal. That's because you can only get the pumpkin ones around exactly. Halloween times. Exactly, special. All right, things of the week. Bop. All righty. And now it's uh, review time. Uh, if you recall, we talked a bit last week that it is October, and for the spoopy times, we are doing... A bit of a theme. We don't do themes that often. It's fun um, sometimes, though. I, I enjoy them. Uh, and uh, our our October theme is we're diving into some classic sci-fi movies, which is just my excuse to show Ivy classic sci-fi movies. It's just spoopy enough, but it's the level of spoopy that we like. Yeah. Because I don't like actual spoopies. I, yeah, and I think... Well, we, I think we talked about it last time. I think one of the things that makes a good sci-fi movie is not a horror movie. Yeah. You know, the this ones that are just horror movies, it's like, all right, it's a horror movie, but there's aliens. But I think yeah. you can do, like, a good science fiction movie without that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so last time we watched Forbidden Planet, uh, we still have two weeks left, which is not enough weeks to show you all of the movies I want to show you. Uh We can just do the next three months. We'll just be classic sci-fi movies. Mm, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with watching them. You know but, what uh, we the people might get bored. Yeah, that's true. You know what we should do? What? Because we're really bad about coming up with stuff to review. Mm -hmm. Is we should just keep a list. I, I don't know why I've never thought of this. We should, like, stick a list on the wall. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything we, like, think we should, a movie we should watch or an album or something, we should just write it on there. Yeah. And then we can go, like, oh, let's do that one. Why have we never done that? I mean, we kind of do that. We have a list somewhere, we just don't use it. Because anytime I suggest something from it, you go, eh. eh. Fair enough. Um, we can try it. Anyhow. So, in uh, continuance of the classic sci-fi movies uh, theme, uh, this is probably the newest movie we're going to watch. Probably. Definitely. Um mm -hmm. And uh, this week, we are doing the cult classic John Carpenter 1988 movie, They Live. John Carpenter's They Live, I believe it's actually called. Yes. Who is? Am I supposed to know who John Carpenter is? John Carpenter did a bunch of other movies. Let's find out. One. Did he do... A to who? A John three. Carpenter. He did a bunch of stuff, and I just... It looked like he also did the music. Is that like... Oh, he did, thing. he did, um, whoa, whoa. Uh, he did the original Halloween movie. Oh. And The Thing. Oh. And also, what, Escape from New York? Uh, what else? Christ oh, he did Christine? Christine's classic. Oh, the car? Yeah. Sounds, that that one sounds scary. That was creepy. Yeah. It's not so bad, because it's just a car. Yeah, but, like, that's still, I drive a car. I have to get in one afterwards. <laughs> Uh, let's see, what else did he do? Halloween 2? Elvis? 
Okay. I guess there's an Elvis movie. I mean, I get the idea. Yeah. So he's done some famous scary ones. Lots of lots of lots of scary movies. People in the parking garage are making so much noise right now. Yep. So anyway, tell us about this movie. So this movie is a science fiction film, and uh, the basic gist of it is that a guy finds uh, a box of sunglasses, and when he puts on the sunglasses, he can see that there's people that are actually aliens that are living among us. And subliminal messaging, like, in all media. Right. Like, uh, perpetuated by the aliens. Yes. Is that a fair enough synopsis? Yeah, and all the aliens are rich people. Yeah. Not all the rich people are aliens, but all the aliens are rich people. Yes. Eat the rich. If all goo-goos are wop. Um, <laughs> so, what are, uh, what are your opening thoughts? My opening thoughts are, this is the worst movie with the best concept. <laughs> uh, made me question my entire existence. I'll, I'll not in the way that it wants me to, because it wants me to not trust the media and not trust the upper class. And, uh, I mean, though those things are accurate and I, I feel that way, this movie made me question my existence because I didn't know what I was supposed to be watching. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, I'll, I had, it left me with so many questions. I'll, I'll see your worst movie with the best concept and raise you Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, but that's a book. No, but if you've seen the movie? No, and I don't want to because the book was so bad. Let me tell you, the movie <laughs> is worse. Well, the movie messes up the end. It does. Because uh, the book was so bad that they even had to make it better to make the movie even palatable, even if it was terrible. Anyway. Anyway. What do you think overall? Uh, this is a classic B sci-fi movie. Sure. Uh, it is by no stretch of the imagination a good movie. <laughs> But, boy, is it super fun. I had a great time. I enjoyed myself at times. Here's, here's the other thing about this, is that it's super iconic. Yeah. Which I'm still trying to figure out. Because it's, like, not a great movie. Mm -mm. And it's not a great sci-fi movie. No. But I think the, the concepts are there enough. I think it's memorable. Yeah, it's just so instantly recognizable. Yeah, it's not that it's good, it's not that it's like... It's just that I, I guarantee I'll remember parts of this for yeah. like a while. So, um, yeah. What things do you like about it? Uh, in particular, I think the concept is really cool. Um, I mean, the, the kind of there are aliens living among us thing has been done before. Mm -hmm. Uh but the sort of, you know, they're all playing us against each other. That it's a society-wide right, and it's thing, and like mind controlling us through subliminal messaging, and uh, the TV networks and everything are run by the aliens. Yep, um, it's a really cool kind of idea. It's weird that it's like he has to put on sunglasses. That's kind of goofy, but I think that's um, actually kind of fun. Uh. And I like that, really, yeah, the, with the, the sunglasses, the scene that I actually like the best with the sunglasses is when he first puts them on and he's just kind of walking around. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing all this stuff 
like as he's kind of figuring it out. And then you're seeing all these aliens just talking about like, oh, my God, I can't believe Becky went down to the store. And then she was talking. to, But it's like this alien talking about she served blue corn tortilla chips. How old fashioned. That was a line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or he's like, I don't know, man. I, just, I don't know if I, you got the promotion. I don't know what. To, but it's like, you know, yeah. um, so I thought that was actually really cool that it's it shows the aliens as aliens being human people. Yeah. Like, I think I thought that was cool. Um, this movie's so tacky, <laughs> but it's so tacky in just the right way that it's hilarious. Uh, some of the dialogue in this is just so cornball. Corniest dialogue right there. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> like, it, and it's, there's a certain amount of this that it's, especially the main character, is doesn't take himself too seriously, I think. Yeah. So it it... Even though it is super cheesy and super just, like, awful, it plays off as funny. Yeah. And so he says this, like, really awful, cringy stuff, but you can't help but laugh at it. Yeah. Um, that's really it's funny. So that is, like, one of the, one of the um, like, elements of it that is actually so bad that it's good. Yeah. Uh, I think the message that it's trying to get across is really kind of clever mm -hmm. and uh still super relevant mm -hmm. um and the sort of you know undertones that they're kind of hinting at and kind of pushing um it's it's taken a pretty hefty stance like yeah for for the movie that it is it's throwing out some lofty claims and and calling out some some big stuff uh but it just gets buried in like you know that bubblegum line. Yeah. Um, I think for being such a goofy movie and for being so not good, it it's like super memorable. Mm -hmm. Like I remembered, I, I've seen this, I've seen this movie one time before and it was definitely before we were living here. So mm -hmm. it's been at least five years since I've seen this movie probably. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remembered most of it. Um, especially just, I mean, the, the sort of... Uh, Imagery with, like, the subliminal messaging that's, yeah. like, uh, consume and the, uh, well, there's a, uh, off to, there's a, um, one of the shirts on the $6 site is a TV screen and it's the aliens that says watch TV behind um, them. That's fun. Um, I always thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's just, it's one of those things that's just instantly recognizable and it, it sticks with you to the point where it's like, you remember these kind of things. It's really weird. Mm -hmm. Um. The, uh, there is a bit of a, a twist near the end, mm -hmm. uh, that I thought was really good. Um, we can talk about it, but spoil, spo we should have said spoiler alerts. It's after, t it's 10 it's years. It's fine. We don't need to talk about it. I don't think this one, like, hinges so much on right. the twist as Forbidden Planet does. Oh, for sure. So, like, um, we're good. So, uh, part of it is that. Part of it. Part of it. Uh, so the aliens are around and they're, like, running stuff, but then there's also just humans who know that there's aliens around running stuff, and they're just, like, on board to make money. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a really cool, kind of clever, because it's it makes it not so much, like, us and them. It makes it a moral debate mm -hmm. as far as people go. Yeah. Um, and it, it there's one character that kind of switches sides there. Mm -hmm. And maybe two characters. That's 
inter- that's an interesting thing that I, I I'm I've been thinking about. What's the second one? Well, it's the lady. Was she in on it the whole time? No. But we can talk about that. I have okay. a point to make about that. Okay. Um, I think she was because of because she was talking on the phone. When she was talking on the phone in her apartment. I thought she was just calling the cops. Or was she? I mean, I don't or know. Or was she calling the cops? Also, a lot of the cops are aliens, which I thought was also very common. No, they made a point to say the cops aren't aliens. Not all of them are. I mean, there were obviously some of them were. I don't think they were. The cops weren't. Some of them But the cops are in on it. The cops are part of the humans that know about it. Oh. Because they wanted to, like, shut him up and keep him quiet when they, like, corner him in the alley. Yeah. Anyway. But they weren't. He had the glasses on and they weren't aliens. And somebody said later on. I I think it's when he's at the, like, the meeting. Yeah. They say, like... Something about the cops being human, but being in on it or something. Anyway. But I thought that was a, a really cool... Because it would have Because then he starts saying that, like, oh, they become police officers, and then they start making more money and buying better cars, and, like... Right. The cops are, are in on it to make the money. Oh. They're part of those people. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but I, I just thought that was a really cool yeah. kind of spin on it. So it's not just so, like, oh, there's aliens and those are the bad guys. It's yeah. like, oh, there's also human people... Yeah, like money are, is the bad guy, and right. like greed is the bad guy. Yeah, they're exploiting the already the aliens that are exploiting them. Yeah, because they 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 say that like the aliens are here because they want to like farm out a new planet, so they're like waiting for like the humans to die off or like join right. them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they just like want a new planet, so like the aliens are just here to like take the planet, right? And then like the people go along with the aliens because they're greedy and they want money. Right. So it's you literally know, just about like imperialism. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so there's actually really... Like, the philosophical kind of angle is actually decent. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, But yeah, those are what I I liked. What did you like about it, specifically? Um, Yeah, I think the concept is really cool. Like, it's a good hook that, like, there's subliminal messaging that you can't trust the media, that kind of stuff. We went over it. Um, The dialogue is hilarious because it's corny, but on, on a scale of, like, is it so bad that it's good or is it so bad that I hate it? The dialogue ends up on the it's so bad it's good yeah. kind of side of it. I don't think everything in this movie does, but the dialogue nope. definitely does. Um, decent world building, I felt. Um, they establish pretty well that, I mean, this might have just been like, you know, I I might be dumb, so maybe I don't know. But like in the 80s, was the economy bad? I don't think it was, right? No, the, the economy was good in the 80s, right? Well-ish. Question mark? <laughs> See, but they do say, like, that, you know, the, the steel mills and stuff are shutting down. Well, that's down. my point. I don't know in real life. I'm saying I don't know if that was, like, they were taking that from real life or not. But, Maybe. like, my point about it being good world building is they, like, all these people are out of jobs. And they're saying that, like, you know, all of these factories are going under and all of these. Mm-hmm. And, like, the rich people are getting richer and the poor people are getting poorer. Like, they mm-hmm. make that really clear right from the beginning. The main character is, like just blew into, I believe they're in Santa Fe. They're in, like, California. Mm. He just came from Denver because he lost his job at, like, a steel mill or something. And he can't get a job. He ends up working at, like, a construction site where, like, he meets this other guy and they live in this sort of, like, I don't would you call it, like, a shanty town kind of thing? Yeah. Um, with, like, other, like, homeless kind of people. Um, just, like, this big, like, camp kind of place. Um, where was I going with this? World building. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's just, like, well-established that, like, the, there's, like, a big, like, 
class disparity, basically. And that's, like, part of what the conflict ends up hinging on and part of, like, what explains what the aliens are doing, like, why. So, like, that's a good, like, world-building detail that I felt like they worked in pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, they, they do, like, explain why the aliens are there and, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So, like, some of it does get explained, so I think that's good. Um, I sort of like the visual style. I like how the aliens look. Mm. Um, we didn't really say it yet so far, but, like, when he puts on the glasses, he can see, like, what the aliens actually look like underneath their, like, human disguises. It's not explained how they're disguising themselves, I don't think. Um, like, why they look like people without the sunglasses, they don't really say. So I think it's something with... Because that radar is shooting out, like, waves... Yeah, and I, I think the, it has something to do with I that. I think it's probably. like what the radar is or what the antenna is blasting out is mm. like, um, like hologram or something. I don't think it's over them, but I think it's like uh, it's controlling humans. Okay, so that they like just the sunglasses can't see. are blocking out that. Yes. Probably. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, they, I don't think they really explain that though. We're kind of extrapolating that on our own. I sure. think. Um, but anyway, the aliens are kind of just like these kind of like skeleton looking mm-hmm. dudes um they're like they're spooky enough but they're not like actually scary like no. i don't if they were actually scary in the movie like i wouldn't like it yeah. <laughs> it would freak me out but it's like it's enough for you to remember what they look like first of all like that's part of the memorableness mm-hmm. about it because it's not they're not like you know green aliens with one eye or something right. they're like these weird skeleton things um yeah they're, they're certainly creepy but they're not like scary scary yeah they're like they're kind of funny too mm-hmm. so that's what i like about them but I like that design sort mm-hmm. of choice. I just like how they look. Like, they're they're weird enough that it's like, oh, if I was this guy, if I was in this movie, if I was the main character, I'd be scared of them. But, yeah. like, m- me watching the movie, I'm not scared of them. But mm-hmm. if it was happening to me in real life, I would be. Um, and when he puts on the sunglasses, everything goes black and white. And it has a very, like, 50s kind of feel to it, which is sort of like the heyday of advertising. Mm. Right? And so, you know, since a lot of it is about, like, you know, ads and commercials and 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 it's cool actually what they do um you know from like a a literary analysis standpoint how they're showing commercials like throughout the whole first half of the movie sort of hinting that like these are going to be important like you know he keeps seeing commercials on tv like Mm -hmm. everywhere he goes he's like seeing in people's windows that they're watching tv or seeing commercials Mm -hmm. or like he's you know looking at newspapers or whatever um so i think that's like a neat detail that sort of leads you into what the conflict is um but anyway, I sort of like how everything goes black and white and, like, sort of just that visual style, I think, was a cool choice. Um, I think there are moments of, like, decent writing in the movie. I don't think all of it is well written, but I do think the thing about um, him falling into the wall the first time um, and finding the boxes behind the wall so that he can go back and find them later, and that's the reason why they're not cleaned out, like, the mm-hmm. cops didn't take them all. Um, I think that was, like, a good writing moment because it was, like, a fairly natural way for it to be like, okay, so how is he going to get a pair of them? It's like, because he knows about the ones that they didn't find because it happened earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, like Holly coming back at the end, um, this lady that he meets earlier in the movie when he jacks her car, I guess. <laughs> um, she comes back at the end of the movie after you kind of think she's gone. Um, so I think that was like a decent like, writing devices, like, bringing her back, and, like, that sort of refreshes the conflict and refreshes sort of the motivations and stuff. So I think that was, like, an okay writing choice as well. Um, let's move on to what grievances have you dare. I got a few. Uh, Whoever goes first always has to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got um, a few. 
Stunts are real bad in this. Mm. I forgot to write that down. Yeah, they're terrible. Um, in general, I think a lot of the special effects are not great. Yeah. Uh, the aliens all have a very kind of puppety look to them. Yeah, that's uh, true. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but it also, there's like a couple times where their mouths just don't match up with mm-hmm. what they're saying. And it's like, uh, it was the 80s looks they were trying. bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, those aren't great for sure. Uh, <laughs> there's a, I kid you not, eight minute fist fight scene. I aged 20 years <laughs> watching that fight. That is my biggest gripe. <laughs> it felt like 25 minutes. I can't believe that was only eight minutes. It felt like forever. Yeah, it's super it long. It felt way longer. Uh, I think it, it wasn't interesting. No. Like, it's one thing to have an eight-minute fight scene or chase scene or anything like that if it's interesting. This was just like two guys kicking each other in an alley for eight straight minutes. It was so boring. Like, not only was it long, but it was boring. Yeah. Like, I, I don't mean to, like, piggyback too much on your things, but I don't want no, to no. talk about it twice. No, so, that's like, fine. Um, and, uh, I think really the action scenes in general are not great. Mm-mm. Uh, a lot of it is just kind of, you know, action movie, bah! spraying like machine gun fire. And yeah, it's like, like, is that really the best method here? Right. <laughs> um, also some of the cops were aliens cause they were, they were aliens when they were shooting. Them okay. In the maybe it was stuff. some, um, okay. Uh, that being said, I, I did think there was, um, a couple of the scenes with the police coming Mm-hmm. Where they're just walking in a wall. Yeah. Uh, and they they seem very, like, just not affected by what's happening around them. Yeah. I think it's actually kind of creepy and actually works really well. Yeah. Because it makes them seem very just, like, robots. They're, like... Yeah, know, that is actually inhuman. really cool. Um, uh, especially when they're kind of raiding that little shanty town. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those th- scenes I, I thought were actually pretty cool. Um, I think... In general, this movie has a pretty bad pacing issue. Yeah, I wrote that too. Uh, it starts out super slow, and then uh, picks up slightly, and then gets super slow again. Yeah. Um, and then all the action happens within like the last twenty minutes. Yeah, we don't find out about the aliens till at least halfway through. Yeah, which it should definitely be like a quarter of the way through. Right. He should have gotten the glasses way sooner. Right. Yeah. Um, they spend, like, way too long on him walking around town trying to find a job. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the first like, time yeah. I watched this movie, they, there came a point where I was like, wait, isn't this the movie with the aliens and the sunglasses? And it, like, yeah. it took me forever, to, you know, it takes forever to get to that point. Yep. Uh, in general, the acting in this is not super. Uh, no. I, I don't think all of it is bad. But I think most of it is bad. Uh, it's pretty bad. It's it's about what you would expect from an 80s sci-fi B-movie. Like, there's nobody famous in this movie. No. Uh, I guess um, the guy that plays the main character was like a professional wrestler in Canada or something. That makes sense because he did some kind of wrestlery moves during that fight. Yeah. Like, there was one where he kind of like flipped him over and I'm like, that looked really wrestling-y. Yeah. Wrestling-y? Yeah. Uh, what grievances do you have to air? Oh my gosh, so many. Uh, my first line, I just wrote, why? My biggest grievance is, why? Nothing, hardly anything is explained why, and hardly any character's motivation is clear. Um, so, 
the main character, who we keep calling him that because he doesn't really have a name. They never really say it. Like, no. he's credited with a name, but, like, they don't say it in the movie ever. Right. Um, so he's just, you know, blonde man in plaid shirt. Blonde mullet guy. Um, he gets the sunglasses. He starts seeing all this crazy stuff. Like, believably, he starts kind of freaking out. Like, I got that part. And then the cops kind of corner him, and he shoots the cops. And it's like... That much I understood. But then he starts just, like, going into banks and open firing on the aliens. And I'm like, why is this your first, like, why is this your first plan of action? Like, it doesn't really explain why he just, like, okay, now I want to kill all the aliens. Why? Like, why doesn't he, like, why doesn't he go try and tell his friend Frank first before he murders a bunch of people? No, he just starts killing, like, he just starts shooting people. And it's, like, I don't understand why. And I don't think it's, like, I didn't miss this. Like, the movie just doesn't make sense. No. <laughs> um, he, as, as we said, the one, the one single female character, uh, basically. There's, like, one or two ladies that live at the, the shack town, but, like, I mean, they don't do anything. Um, he, he's running from the cops, basically, because they know he, like, shot up a bank, um, and so he, like, grabs her and forces her to drive him to her house to, like, get away from the police. And then she throws him out a window, which is rad. But, um, <laughs> like, I, you know, to its credit, I didn't see that coming. Um, you know, she's, you could tell that she was trying to figure out something to do. Yeah. But I didn't mm-hmm. guess, because she says, like, can't I get a drink? And he's like, okay, mm-hmm. go, because he's, like, you know, got a gun in his pocket, so she's like, trying to be careful, but then she, like, pours herself a glass of wine, but then he comes over, and she whacks him in the head with the wine bottle and pushes him out the window, mm-hmm. and I thought that was actually really good, because I did not see it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was just like, she just threw him out the window. Um, what was I talking about? Everybody's motivation is unclear. I just, it doesn't really make sense why he just goes on a killing rampage instead of, like, trying to find the people that he knows made the sunglasses. Why doesn't he do that first, before him and Frank go out and start killing people i don't know or beating each other up for literally no reason that fight scene is my least favorite part of the whole movie because they don't need to be fighting at all uh his friend frank i just spit a lot yeah you did um comes to give him his paycheck from the construction site even though he's like you're acting weird and i don't want to be around you because you're freaking me out and then they beat each other up for eight minutes for no reason and then finally he gets... Because Frank doesn't want to put on the sunglasses because he thinks he's crazy. So he starts punching him. And I'm like, that's not... <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't know. I just... There's no motivation behind what anybody is doing. Um, who Who is anyone? All of these characters just sort of appear. We don't have any backstory really on anyone. I don't like it. Uh, the pacing is bad. Uh, it's just really uneven, super slow for a while, then very exciting for, like, five minutes, and then super slow. Um, and the end also doesn't make any sense. I guess my grievance is that, like, the the plot doesn't make any sense, even though the concept is sort of carrying it along. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, towards the end of the movie, they find... You know, after the uh, the meeting of all the people who know about the aliens uh, is sort of, uh, you know, ambushed by the cops. And a lot of those people are, like, taken out because they're like, well, they're going to tell the world about the aliens, so we got to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, a few of them get away. Main character, his friend Frank, and then they find Holly at the news station. And it seems like she's going to go with them. They're trying to, like, 
shoot down the TV satellite. Yeah. They're trying to, you know, show show the world, basically. They're trying to expose the aliens. Um, which is like, what was their plan? Nobody knows. They just, they jump in that hole and they end up in the alien base somehow. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we gotta, we gotta stop them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they didn't have a plan, first of all, until they find out that they're like broadcasting from the roof, mm-hmm. from the satellite dish on the roof. And so they're trying to get up there and, uh, you know, they finally get close. Then right as, you know, right before the camera, you know, um, what's the word I want? Like cuts away. Um, Holly shoots Frank for no reason, so he's dead. Uh, he deserved better, honestly. Frank was my favorite character because he had at least some sense in his head and wore cool purple shirts. Um, but he just gets killed. Uh, you know, she just kills him. Why? I don't know why he had to die. Uh, I'm confused. And this is what I guess we have to discuss because I did not understand why she was telling him to stop at the end. Like, what? Why was she telling him? Like, she... She's trying to stop him from shooting the satellite because she's like, it's not going to matter. Like, you're not going to change anything. Obviously it does, because when he does it, all the aliens do get exposed, and that's how the movie ends. Right. So, why does she not want him to do it? Like, I don't understand whose side she was on at any point. Because, like, you brought up the point that maybe she was in on it the whole time and trying to stop him the whole time. But that confuses me, because that doesn't seem to quite follow but at the same time, then why does she want to stop him? And why does she shoot him? And why does she shoot Frank? I don't know. I guess she doesn't shoot him. He shoots her. She's going to shoot him. Yeah. And then the helicopter shoots him and kills him. Yeah. So I don't understand what side she was on or what her motivation was either. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of cool that, like, you know, he sacrifices himself sort of to, like, right. you know, save the world or whatever. But... Uh, you know, then then there's some boobies because it's an 80s movie and that's how it ends, which is, you know, <laughs> typical. Right. Um, so basically my biggest gripe is I, it just doesn't make any sense. There's no, like, justification mm-hmm. for anything, even though the concept is very cool. The plot just doesn't, the plot and the characters don't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything to add to that? No. So what kind of a rating would you give it? Uh, <clears throat> it's uh, just so bad, <laughs> but it's so much fun. I think it's a lot of fun. It's so it's fun in its awfulness. Uh, it's I mean this movie is kind of a cult classic at this point. I get why. Like I understand yeah. the appeal. I do. Um, I I mean if you're like a sci-fi fan or if you love bad '80s movies, you should absolutely watch it. Yeah. Uh, it is not a good movie, but I was uh, entertained the whole time. <laughs> that's that's basically what I said. Yeah. But what what number did um, you give? I it? said like I mean I said six. Just because mm-hmm. it is entertaining, but as a movie itself, probably like a four. I <laughs> I said four out of ten took years off my life, but did entertain me. <laughs> um, I do believe, for me personally, it was a net negative, um, just because <laughs> net neg- if the pacing had been faster, mm-hmm. um, I think I could have rated it better, but it was just that like the parts that I was enjoying, even though it was bad did not outweigh the parts I was, like, bored to death or, like, this is stupid. Yeah. So. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Review? Review. All right, all of that being said, though, I just had a revelation in the bathroom. Okay. (laughs) This goes against every, like, everything I've ever stood for. This movie needs to be remade. Oh, they could make this really good. 
Edgar Wright needs to direct it. Oh, dude, that would be so good. Starring Chris Pratt. Yeah. And they need yeah. to make it like that specific, like, hot fuss. Where fuzz. It's fuzz? Fuzz. Hot fuss is killers, hot fuzz is Edgar Wright. It's the Wright. movie. Okay. So it's like... That movie's so funny. Actually kind of creepy. And yeah. actually, like, you know, exciting and, like, action-y. But super, super funny. But, like, farcical at the same time. Right. Yeah. I think... I I would totally be on board with that. And the aliens need to look exactly the same. Because mm. that would be the thing. If it, if you got the wrong person to do it, they would make it too scary. Yeah, it shouldn't be. Yeah, so it needs... Yeah. Like, Shaun of the Dead Hot Fuzz is, like, yes. exactly what it should be. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Edgar we gotta Wright, write a letter to Edgar, Edgar Wright. Wright needs to do that. So and Please? It, oh. It's you, got, do you have it's, Twitter still, or did you get rid no, of it? No, I got rid of it. I'm gonna tweet Edgar Wright. You should. <laughs> Um, but it has to be somebody like Chris Pratt or, um, uh, Chris Pine or, Chris uh, Evans? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean. What's the other? Man. What one are we uh, missing? Oh, Hemsworth. Um, oh, Hemsworth would be good. Um, who was, um, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, Ryan Reynolds would be perfect. Um, but also like, I feel Samuel L. Jackson needs to be in it somewhere. He could be like one of the like cult people. One of the like, I, I thought like of. Like the street preacher? He yes. could totally be the street preacher, but, like, give him a bigger role because it's Samuel. I thought of, um, I had my, my references confused because the line that I was thinking of was, you're one ugly motherfucker, and that's Arnold from... I was going to say, that sounds like um, Arnold. Yeah, that's Arnold from the uh, the Predator movie. <laughs> oh, I've never um, seen that either. I haven't either. That one actually looks creepy. Yeah. Um, I think that It's also movie. super cheeseball 80s action movie. Yeah. So I don't... That's one of those that, like, might be scary, but it also might just be kind of dated. I don't know about that one, but I think I would watch Alien. The one with, um... Ridley Scott? Sigourney Weaver in it. Yeah. Yeah. I would watch that, that probably. One, that one looks scary. That one looks Is scary. Is it scary? Though. I think so. I didn't think it I was think that, that scary. It might be. Um, I did think of... You know what? Uh, there's I have too many movies to show you for the amount of weeks we have to do sci-fi movies. We should watch Terminator. I would love to. I love Arnold. We need to watch. Okay, we need to watch Commando because it's. But that's an action movie. That's not sci-fi. It's action, right? so it, we can wait on that. Yeah, one. it's it's cheeseball '80s action movie. Yeah. Terrible, bad, but it's Arnold, so it's great. Well, you can pick. You get to pick the next two, the two we, sci-fi's. All right. Terminator would be very fun, though. That I would, would love so to fun. watch and talk about but it. So there's, there's so many, like, 50s sci-fi movies I want to show you, too. Well, maybe do that one and then pick one, then pick another old one. Maybe we can go back and forth. So if we do okay. an older one next week, because we did a kind of newer one this week. Yeah. And then we'll we'll finish with Terminator. Newer movies. I mean, I mean Terminator's I mean, probably 40 years relatively old Relatively to, yeah. like, the 50s or whatever, is what I'm saying. Let's move on. Let's do that. I... That's what I was <laughs> Let's change, change the, the subject. subject. So, as I said at the top, we're putting a twist on one of our trademark games here. Uh, apparently, I, I refused this in the past. I don't remember, but it sounds like something I would say. Uh, <laughs> instead of a top five, where we rank the top five of something, for to celebrate episode 150, we're ranking the top ten. We have done top ten before. We did, um, at the end of the uh, year last year, we did top ten... Albums of the decade. Did we? Yes, we did. You sure it was 10? Yep. Well, we're doing it again. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I'll take your word for it, I suppose, uh, until until you're proven guilty. Um, anywho, we're doing a top 10 today, and we thought we would make it fun and make it something a little bit uh, personal, I suppose. Uh, sure, that's, that's what we meant. And uh, 
we're going to tell you each individually our personal top 10 most important albums of music to us that have uh, affected our lives somehow, inspired us somehow, influenced us somehow. Um, Obviously, the two of us are going to come at it from slightly different angles. I am not a songwriter, and Matt is, so, like, I believe, like, yours is going to be, like, your musical influences, I'm sure. It's, yeah, definitely a a lot of that. Mine are some, I mean, slightly based on that, but mine are more, like, albums that, like, mean something to me because of, like, memories or because of, like, people or because of, like, how how they've affected my life, but not, like, me as a musician because I don't, like, write music. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think I definitely have some of those, um, but a, a lot of mine are sort of, like, music writing leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a lot of them hold, like, a specific kind of place in my brain. Okay, uh, I I just, I thought maybe you would go farther that direction than I would, of course. Um, who's going first? You can go first. Okay, um, so I'm going to start from the bottom, work my way up. Started from the bottom, now we hear. Uh, number 10 is Regional at Best by 21 Pilots. Uh, that is their, like, unreleased EP uh, that one of my friends had in, like, 2010. Uh, so I knew about 21 Pilots before most people did, and, uh... So you can never give me shit about <laughs> Eastern Hymns ever again. I did. I don't think I ever did. Well, you always go like, oh, that's this is the one that well, nobody because, has, and it's because Matt's it's just, hipster. It's, it's because you say it every time, because you're always like, oh, and you, can, you can't get it now. You can't. I mean, the only reason I had it is because you gave it to me. Yeah. Because it came in that email or whatever. Because Ben gave it to me. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> it was like... It didn't it just come like as a file with their like email newsletter or something. Yeah, it was like they did it. Um, if you were signed up to their like fan club newsletter, yeah. it was they they sent it out as like a Christmas gift one yeah. year. I mean, that's really cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's pretty much my whole reasoning for that. It's just like I knew about them before they were famous, and it makes me feel cool. Um, I guess that's it. Um, my number nine. <laughs> This is an interesting one, uh, but I felt that I had to put it, is uh, Now That's What I Call Music 16. I still have it. I have this CD in my zip-up CD case that I have in my closet. Um, But this was the CD that, like, my friends and I as kids would, like, put on at slumber parties. And, like, I know most of the songs on. Um, There's just, like, you know, the songs on there are, like, a lot of inside jokes, especially with me and Tabby. Uh... D12, my band, is the first song on that CD, and I can do all the words. Uh, that's one of the uh, few raps that I know. And it's uh, Eminem with his band D12, his short-lived band D12. So I didn't know that Eminem had a band. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> if you put that song on, I could. I got all the words, all of them. I believe you. Because I've listened to that Now, what, now 16 CD so many times. Um, there's a lot of bangers on that. Um, but it's mostly, like, memories of, like me being with my friends as a child, because we just always listened to that one. Uh, and some of the other ones, too, but, like, that's the one that sticks out the most to me. Um, my number eight, I went with Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. It's sort of, like, my gateway to, like, liking 70s kind of music. It's, like, the one that stands out the most to me. And obviously it's, like, I listen to it all the time, and it's great. But uh, I decided it that warranted, warranted a place on the list. An album by, for, and about people having affairs? Yeah. People cheating on each other. Uh, good. 
Uh, number seven, I went with Move Along by All American Rejects, and the reason I picked that one is because I feel like that was sort of my gateway into, like, you know, the pop-punk sort of side of my personality. Um, that would be... They're, they're kind of, like, halfway between pop-punk and, like, alt-rock, I guess. Um, they're not quite pop-punk, but they're pretty close. Um, I mean, some people might call them that. That's an interesting, uh, discussion, because I don't necessarily lump them in with, like, Fall Out Boy and, like, Panic, but, like... They're, they're kind of like a gateway drug to that, and that's what that CD was to me as, like, a middle schooler. Um, yes. Uh, my number six is Be Okay by Ingrid Michaelson, which is an interesting pick, but it came to my mind because that's the album that made me learn ukulele. Hmm. So I figured that's, I mean, I know how to play ukulele now because I wanted to play some of the songs from that. Uh, the first song I ever learned on ukulele was You and I by Ingrid Michaelson, which is on that album, uh, which I listened to a lot, like, my freshman, sophomore year of college. Hmm. Um, so I thought that was worth mentioning. Uh, like, I didn't learn anything first. I didn't look up... I just looked up the chords for that song and learned it, and that's how I learned ukulele. I didn't, like, teach myself anything else. I just learned that song. My number five is The 1975 by The 1975, uh, just because, like... That's their first album. It's the first thing I ever heard from them, and uh, they became one of my favorite bands because of that album. So I, uh, I thought that was worth putting on the list. My number four is a bit of a curveball, but it's the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack. And mm. I didn't want to, like, you know, soundtracks are kind of their own thing. It's not really... It's an album, but it's, like, you know, definitely a different creature. I mean... <laughs> but I listen to the full album all the time. I'll, I'll allow that. That's fair. I I didn't know if you would uh if you would what you would think of that, but uh, that is my best writing music. Uh, like not only do I just like the music itself because I love the movie and because the music is like cool and like period piece inspired. Um, but it is if I put that on, I can write. Like if I if I'm like writer's block, if I'm like uninspired, whatever. Like I put that on and it's like my perfect writing music is that soundtrack. Um, my number three is Hello Hurricane by Switchfoot because it taught me how to feel emotions to music. <laughs> uh, got my brain through tough days, so that's, that's an important album. Uh, my number two is Take Me Home, which is the second album by One Direction, and it's because I, I picked the second album because if the first album, like, I liked the first album. If the second al album hadn't have been good, I wouldn't have stuck around with them until, like, you know, the end of the road, where wherever we are today with them. It's it's questionable, no one knows where we are. But um if the second album hadn't have been like so good, and it's it's my favorite of all their albums, um, you know, it would that wouldn't have been like a chunk of my life of like a thing that I liked. And I met some of my best friends that I still have now because of One Direction and that's my favorite one D album, so had to put that high on the list. Uh, it's mostly because of like the friends I have made through that. And, uh, I don't really have, like, I have some, I was, like, jotting down notes, like, trying to pick ones, but I don't really feel like mentioning any of them. So I'm just going to go to my number one, which is, uh, the Beatles One album. Uh, we've talked about this a million times before, but that's, like, my parents bought it from the infomercials on cassette tape, and we listened to it in the car, like, for the rest of forever. And that was my first introduction to the Beatles, which is, like, my favorite band of all, uh, huge piece of my personality, which is, you know, 
tough pill to swallow. Bad to admit that, like, I'm one of those people that, like, my personality trait is that I like the Beatles, which is not a personality trait. Ivy's wearing a Beatles shirt right now. <laughs> I, I, I forgot. Um, <clears throat> but, like, I also went to a different country because of that. And, like, so if I had never listened to that album, if my parents hadn't bought it when I was five years old and it came out in, like, 1999 or 2000, whatever it was, definitely one of those. <clears throat> I think I'm losing my voice a little bit. I apologize. Lots of talking today. But, like, again, I wouldn't have made the friends I made. I wouldn't have gone on that study abroad. I mean, the Beatles is one of the first things you and I bonded over together. I don't know that, like, you know, maybe we wouldn't be dating each other. Like, that, it probably wouldn't go that far. But, like, you and I bonded over it. So it's, like, something special that you and I share that's very important to me. And, like, my family likes it. And it's, so it's, it's something that I share with my family. So that's why it's so important. That's why it's my number one. Okay, I have a couple comments about that that particular album. Yeah. <clears throat> because I thought about putting it mm -hmm. in my list. Um, firstly, uh, my family had two copies of that album. Mm -hmm. uh, the first being on cassette tape. Yeah. The second being on CD because we wore through the cassette tape. <laughs> I, think, I think ours still exists somewhere. I want to say it does, but I'm not positive. Yeah. Um, secondly, that was... Like, the first CD, because I remember very specifically a time in my brain that I didn't understand how bands worked. Mm -hmm. And we had gone to see, there was like a Beatles tribute band at the, at like the park. Mm -hmm. I've seen them there before. Yeah. And they, I was, we were probably both there. I yeah, was probably there. Because I remember going to see that. That's weird. When we, when, like, when we were like younger. Yeah. I am almost positive we were there. Do you remember a tornado siren going off? Hmm. I don't remember that, but maybe my parents would. Yeah. Because I'm almost positive that we did something like that when I was younger. Yes. Anyhow. Um, but part of the thing of that Beatles, I think they were called, I think that was Backbeat. I think that's I, what they were called. I don't remember. Anyhow. Um, was that <laughs> they would like, they would come out and they would do some songs and then they would go back. And they would and come out, clothes. and they would come out in different clothes. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't under why are yeah. they doing this? And it's like, oh, it's like they're different eras of like. And I was like, mm -hmm. like, what do you mean? I don't under like. I didn't understand that bands existed for like time. You know? Yeah, like your brain just hadn't like. Right, I didn't. It's yeah. like, why would it not? You what do you like mean? Like it just exists. What do you mean? The, the music just exists. The one CD is not all of their songs. Yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't have the concept of like, oh, these were people that had lives and they played together in a band and made music mm -hmm. and like that music changed over time. Yeah. That's why song one sounds a lot different than song 23. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, thirdly, uh, on Ivy and I's very first date, we both wore Beatles shirts mm -hmm. because we thought that the other person would like that we wore Beatles shirts. I'm not we sure. We were both wearing Abbey Road shirts specifically. Yes. I'm not sure what happened to that shirt. Do you have that shirt? No, I don't. Hmm. Do I have yours? Yeah. No. I I feel like that was... Either, I also don't have mine is what I was saying. I but. feel like that was one of those ones that I either shrunk to the... Or, or I got fat and just didn't fit in anymore. Or... I don't know. I don't Did know. Did you like wear it to mow in or something? No, I don't think I would have done that. Mm. I think it probably just probably got just shrunk or something. Shrunk it, yeah. It got too small. No, I don't have that, but right. uh, I do remember that very clearly because I wore that shirt very on purpose, and then I got there, and you were wearing a very similar shirt. Very on purpose. Yes. 
Aren't we cute? Yeah. Give me a kiss. No, I'm not going to kiss you over the microphone. That's disgusting. No. I'll, here, I'll pause it real quick, and then we can kiss. All right. I'm buckling in. Buckling in? Yep. This is the hardest thing I've ever done my entire life. I just want to remind you that this was your idea. It was my idea. And I love it. I think it was a great idea. And it was extremely the worst. <laughs> I'm sorry that um, you had to hurt yourself this way. <laughs> I, 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 you I, must have some kind of masochistic streak. That made you suggest this. Um, Ivy said, like, I said, this is going to be really hard. And she's like, why? Because you can't think of 10. I'm like, no, I'm going to come up with like 50. No, I asked you which way. Oh, I yeah. said, is it because you can't come up with 10 or you can't narrow it down to 10? I asked which. Because um, I wasn't sure. Well, I never know with you. Here's the thing. <laughs> really, the the 10 were not that hard. I didn't have I too hard of a time. It was putting them in an order. Yeah, it was ordering <laughs> them. That was yeah. No, I agree. That was my experience also. Boy, what the fuck, Adobe? Good, go fuck yourself. Adobe Language is just today. like. It's because listen. I mean, I'm I'm also a culprit, so it's fine. But Ivy swears way more than than I do. That's and true. If you've made it an hour and twenty eight <laughs> minutes into this podcast, uh, this is what you're rewarded with: is me yelling at Flash Player that wants to. Thank you for using Flash Player. Flash is dead. What is it even talking about? I don't about? know. Uninstall. Do we have time for this? I don't... Uninstall? That sounds like it's going to cause issues. All right. I'll just... I'll ignore that for now. Like, I do all... It's still of, recording, right? I'll, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll just ignore it like I do all of my computer updates. Um, and all of my real-life problems? Yeah. Yeah. All right. This was the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but let's get through it here. Number 10, uh, Herbie Hancock, Headhunters, uh, was the first, it was, that was, all right, there's lots of, like, toxic gateway drugs here. <laughs> um, that album was the album that I was like, oh, fusion jazz, oh, funk, oh, who's this Herbie Hancock guy? Oh, he played with this Miles Davis guy. Who's that? Okay, let's go down that rabbit hole. I was going to say, hole. it's the rabbit hole. Yeah, this this was the album that was like the rabbit hole for me. This is still, I would say, in my top five albums ever at this moment. Goodness gracious. Um, it's it's currently like on the outside of the record stack because I listen to it that often. I was say, you keep playing it. <laughs> uh, it's like... Probably my most listened to album in Spotify. Like, it's just... Uh, and re I I don't even need Side B. That's how good this album is. Side it's, B is a bonus. Like, it's just Chameleon into Watermelon Man. I, I could... That would be enough for me. Um, it's just the funkiest. And, uh... Yeah. Super, super important as far as, like, I guess m my music making stuff, too. Um... A lot of where, like, the little ditties come from is very much from that kind of thing. Uh, speaking of which, the uh, the thing that the little ditties are most from and are most trying to achieve, but not even close. That's the funny thing. Like, I, I'm always like, oh, I'm trying to do this. But then I listen to it and it's like, that does, that sounds like a Pink Floyd song. Like, what? I don't, I don't. Well, you're doing it, but in your own flavor. Right. In your own way. Like, it's. You're, it's obviously not going to come out the same because you have your own right. brain. Right. <laughs> um, number nine is The Meters, self-titled album, uh, which is like, it takes what Headhunters does and boils it down to like three-minute pop tunes that are like guitar, bass, organ, drums. 
it just like boils it down to the bare minimum of that and it's so funky um this is the album with sissy strut on it which is like their big song Mm. um it's just all of the hooks all of the cool drum parts all of the cool bass lines uh it's just a great instrumental kind of jazz funk record um the only one that doesn't have any vocals on it which i'm a little disappointed about they didn't stick with that a little longer but anyhow the hooks hooks. um number eight this one hurt me dearly all of these hurt me dearly (laughs) to like put them in they all of these could have been number one that is the issue here um number eight is pedro the lion control Mm. uh completely broke my brain as far as what was capable as far as songwriting and lyric writing uh i i'm i've talked about this band so much on this podcast but uh in short control is a concept album about a guy who cheats on his wife so she kills him uh and that's ridiculous Mm -hmm. to write that into an indie rock album yeah uh it hurts my soul so deeply and then I'm like, how do I do that? <laughs> Always. I mean, even like the first song on its own warrants it being on this list. It's just so good. It's my f- probably my f- most favorite lyric, my favorite album lyrically. Um, just because uh, David Bazan, I think, is really good about saying so much by saying so little, which is mm-hmm. always my joke about art. Uh, but I think it's really true. It's really true in this is he doesn't use any sort of super fancy language. He speaks very frankly, but it just translates directly into your soul. And I don't understand. Yeah. And it makes me angry. Yeah. It's not like poetic language, but like the things he says are like hit you like trucks. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the one line <laughs> hit you like trucks. Get it? Like that one song. Like that song. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, no, the, 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 the first song is called options. And the one lyric is like, uh, I guess the, the titular lyric is, uh, I can never divorce you without a good reason, though I may never have to, have to, it's good to have options. Yeah. Like, that's the most, you know, it's it's this thing, it's like this couple's on this, like, romantic getaway, and he's having these thoughts in mm-hmm. his head, like, you know, I might want to leave you at yeah. some point. And it's like... Like, it's, that's an option. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that he... He goes into that super dark place that all of us have that we try not to think about and try not to just keep all that squished way down. And then one day um, I. Yeah. And uh, that's where that's where David Bazan lives all the time. <laughs> um, moving along. Uh, number seven is Radiohead in Rainbows. Uh, this was... Not my introduction to Radiohead, but I think the album where I got it. Mm-hmm. And it certainly remains my favorite Radiohead album. And I think it's because it's just a gorgeous guitar record. Um, uh, Body Snatchers is on here. Weird Fishes is on here. Nude is on here. Um, some of my favorite Radiohead. Uh, House of Cards is on here. Um, just want to wonderfully produced record like it's just you're swimming in it the whole time uh some of their hookiest songs um and it really broke my brain as far as what you could do with the album and it's so different like all of the songs are so wildly different from each other 
And then, I guess in conjunction with this, this is cheating a little bit, the Live from the Basement concert that they did of In Rainbows, where they perform most of the album live, and it sounds like the album, and you're like, how? <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the cool things that, that Radiohead, I, that I've since read about in this, is that they said, because they kind of got, they went really electronic for a minute. And they were they were feeling, I guess, sort of crushed by the machines, like they're a slave to the robots, and the, you know, so like, all right, let's not do that. Let's make a rock and roll album. And then they made um, "Hail to the Thief," which they were like, that was fine, but it was boring. So they're like, we missed the electronic stuff. So let's do the electronic stuff, but only what we can perform live. Mm-hmm. So they were like, let's, well, we can do whatever we want, but no tapes, no samples. It's all got to be done in the moment on the spot, which I think is a really cool uh, kind of workaround to the roboticness of electronic music uh, that you could do these kind of things, but you have to do them live. Um, big fan. <laughs> uh, this is all of this just sounds like the Matt Warner greatest hits compilation, yeah. which is fine. That's fine. Um, number six, we're going to go way cliche here, um, is uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Hmm. Uh, there are not many albums. I remember exactly where I was when I heard certain things. Uh, I mean, I do remember where I was when I heard In Rainbows the first time. Um, I do remember where I was when I heard Dark Side the first time. It's one of those records uh, that kind of broke me forever as far as songwriting and guitar playing and bass playing and album making. It's just one of those records. I mean, it's considered one of the greatest albums of all time for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, lyrically gorgeous. The guitar playing is just unbelievable. Um, the bass playing is, I've just, I've stolen every Roger Waters riff ever. Um, it's another one that, like, between Breathe on the run in time that's like those three songs in a row is some of the greatest music you'll ever hear ever mm-hmm. um especially breathe is is probably more so than any other pink floyd song that's the song that i was like yep that's it that's done forever all of my everything uh i mean I, besides being the album that single-handedly got me into psychedelic rock that's 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 it. I mean, it's it was it was I was kind of done for after that. Um, number five. This one hurt me to put this this low. Uh, is uh, Marvin Gaye? What's going on? Mm. Just again, one of the best produced albums ever by anyone ever. Um, and it does it does the thing that Dark Side does that I think is really clever about doing like a sort of the album format. Is it's two continuous pieces of music. Yeah. Like, you put on side one, and the music does not stop until the needle picks up. Yeah, it just rolls into the next right, song. Right, which I love. Yeah. Um, this is also, I guess, in the grand scheme of music in general, the first, like, solo artist record to credit every single musician that ever played on it, which mm-hmm. I think is brilliant. Uh, the bass playing on this is second to none. I, I will fist fight anyone 
that says there's a better bass record than what's going on. It's James Jamerson. It's James Jamerson and Bob and Abbott. Bob Abbott. That's what I thought. I, I, you can't. One does side one and the other does side two, right? Yes. Even split, which I think is that's really cool. Really kind of funny. Yeah. Um. It's just, I mean, as far as being a bass player goes, especially if you're sort of into that R and B soul thing, this is Rosetta Stone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you don't need anything else. Just put on that record and learn it, and you've got it forever. Um, the bass line to "What's Going On" is the one he played on his back in the studio. <laughs> um, the bass line to "Inner City Blues." completely rewired my brain as of what was possible like to do realistically on the instrument like it's mm-hmm. it's one of those records um <laughs> okay number four uh this was this was a hard one i went back and forth a bunch mm-hmm. um i had the band pegged but i couldn't decide on the album it's switchfoot it's not switchfoot Ooh. um it may it may i don't know never mind okay um <laughs> Uh, number four is Led Zeppelin, Houses of the Holy. Mm. Uh, I was back and forth between this and Led Zeppelin 2. Um, I think, on a whole, Zeppelin 2 has better bass playing on it. Um, that has Heartbreaker and Ramble On and Lemon Song. And Bring It On Home is like one of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs. Um, I think it's a great blues record. But I think... By Houses of the Holy, they've come into their own as a band, and it really starts to showcase uh, Jimmy Page's production sort of styles. Mm-hmm. Um, the song, Song Remains the Same, forever broke my brain as far as what you could do production-wise, because there's like five guitars on it. Um, <laughs> That's why you are the way you are. Yeah, it's 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 that song. <laughs> I actually, I, there's, I think there's three. There's two 12-string guitars and a six-string guitar, plus bass and drums, and like many many overtrack vocals um but uh again sort of one of those albums as a scope thing it goes from song remains the same which is an absolute banger into rain song which is one of the most beautiful songs ever recorded mm-hmm. uh no quarters on that which i think is maybe the most important led zeppelin song to me because it's so spacey uh, John Paul Jones plays the Rhodes the whole time. Ooh. It's like Rhodes, and then he plays the solo on the piano. Mm. Um, it's just huge and ethereal and spacey and just dark. Um, just probably the most important Led Zeppelin song to me, but also like the one of the least Led Zeppelin Led Zeppelin songs. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, anyhow. Uh... I, I can talk about Led Zeppelin forever. Uh, so let's Call not... Call Matt if you want to talk about Led Zeppelin. Let's not do that, and let's move on to number three. This also hurt me deeply. <laughs> um, I could have put any number of albums here, uh, but the one that I went with was uh, The Beatles' Revolver. Wow. Um, number three, huh? Number three. Ouch. It, that hurt wow. me so much. Absolutely so much. I could have said the one album, and I didn't think about it, uh, the reason that I put Revolver is because that album came later for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already had, uh, we had the one album and we had Abbey Road mm-hmm. and I, th- I don't think I, maybe I had Sgt. Pepper at that point. Um, 
The reason that I like Revolver is because it's super weird. Mm-hmm. For that band being that band, it's... And it's not only weird because Sgt. Peppers is weird and Magical Mysteries Tour is weird. But Revolver is weird, but it's like dirty. Mm-hmm. It's just... It feels so... Just like raw. Yeah. And it, it, it lacks the shimmer and the, the shiny cleanness of Sgt. Like Pepper yeah. and Abbey Road. But it has that grit to it. Yeah. Um, it's also just... a, a just, As far as production goes, they recorded all of that on a four track. Yeah. Like with the backwards guitars and with <laughs> the sitars and with the, the string section on Eleanor Rigby. Um, some of the, it's because it's, it's interesting to me that some of these things I find out later and then like retroactively I respect something more uh, is just the way that they recorded some of this stuff. Um, and also being like the first psychedelic record. Uh, <laughs> wow. But uh, stuff like um, if you look into how they did Tomorrow Never Knows with like the tape loops mm-hmm. and stuff. That's so that's, ins- nuts. that's so yeah. inspiring to me that it's, you know, it's uh, uh, it's just they're working with the limitations and they were still able to produce that record. Yeah. Um, also, some of my f- favorite ever Beatles songs are on that. Uh, I mean, Taxman's on there. Uh, I'm only sleeping. Um, and your bird. Mm-hmm. And your bird can sing. Come on. Is green. So um, so I think that one that one edges out some of the other ones a little bit just because of how bizarre it is and how raw it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back and forth like twenty times between this and Abbey Road. Yeah. Um, and I think just as far as getting an album and listening to it the first time, because it took me a second with Abbey Road, because there's some kind of there's some songs in that that's like it there's sleepers. Yeah. Maxwell Silver Hammer is not an instant, like, oh, yeah. But the uh, more you listen to it, you get into it. Right. Yeah. Same with, like, Octopus's Garden and... Um, I love Octopus's Garden. Yeah. Even, like, Sun King. It was, like, this is such well, a yeah. <laughs> weird song. Um, but Revolver, I was just like, yup, that's, that's some dudes playing in a rock and roll band, and that's what I love about it. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. Um, Can I guess your top two? Yes. Uh... A number two is a switch foot. I'm going to guess Beautiful Letdown. And number one is Jocko. Nearly wrong. Hmm. Number two is uh, Jocko Pistorius, ah. self-titled. Um, I I won't talk about this album much uh, because I, I think it takes a certain amount of... Uh, you have to be open to it, and it helps if you're a bass player. Sure. The, I mean, that's why it's special to you. Right. Um, it, it broke my brain. I mean, it's, it's one of those albums that there's before Jocko and there's after Jocko. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the standard joke is that he is the bass player's Jimi Hendrix, and I would mm-hmm. argue that he's more like Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. It's just there was. It's literally before and after. Mm-hmm. There is there is no transition there. That album came out and people went like, "Oh, 
this is what you can do with that instrument. Right. Um, everyone that has ever heard that album immediately went out and bought a fretless bass. <laughs> That's just how it is. And it's there's stuff on that album that it, it's like if you play certain notes on the bass, it's derivative. Like, that's how colossal this is. Mm-hmm. There are, like, techniques on the instrument. Like, not even... I cannot even be quoting something from that album. I yeah. can play a thing. Mm-hmm. Just a technique. And it's like, oh, that's the Jocko thing. Technique. And even, like, every fretless player, I'm like, oh, they're just doing the Jocko. Like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> if you play a fretless bass, you're derivative of Jocko. Like, that's how sure. colossal that is. Um it's just every uh, as a bass player that's what you're trying to do is that record that, that's what it is mm-hmm. um now honorable mentions oh my boy do i have you can read your list but try not to say much i'm not going okay <laughs> How dare you, ma'am? We're already um, running way over. That's fine. This is an this is an extra long episode. It's, this is an it's extra large kitty. It's one fifty. This is special times. I know. I'm, I'm saying that's fine. All right, I'll try to be quick. Uh, honorable mentions: Rush, Exit Stage Left. That was my first Rush record, and it hurt me. Uh, and then I was a Rush fan forever after that. Um. The I don't remember exactly which one it is, but it's the uh, sh- the first Chicago Greatest Hits record was in constant rotation in our house mm-hmm. and uh, pretty much turned me on to like 70s brass band, rock band stuff. Uh, also, 25 or 6 to 4 is on that, and that's still like my favorite guitar solo ever. Uh, Alabama Shakes, Sound and Color. Uh, as far as a follow-up to the debut record, to do something completely off the wall and totally different. It was super inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Vince Guaragualdi, Charlie Brown Christmas nice. record, was my gateway drug into jazz, <laughs> which seems super weird to say, but it's it. absolutely true. Um, Pigpen, man. Pigpen. Uh, Silver Sun Pickups, Carnivus, the first Silver Sun Pen- Pickups LP. I've stolen more guitar licks out of than <laughs> probably anything. Uh, Beck, Mo- Beck Modern Guilt for the same thing. Uh, Yannick Wistola, Last Minute World Tour, is mm. his solo bass record and is responsible for that entire shelf of pedals over there. Um, Beach Boys, Pet Sounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, didn't I sound. hated the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. And then my buddy AJ, God bless AJ, uh, <laughs> was like, listen, you gotta listen to Pet Sounds. I'm like, Beach Boys suck. And he's like, nope. listen to the out. And I was like, oh, oh. this is, this is not, this is different. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we talked about this. This could have been any number of, like, f- five albums, but I went with uh, Mannard Ferguson, Chameleon. Yeah. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it, because Mannard Ferguson is the reason that I do anything. Um, Death From Above, Physical World, uh, Spoon Transference, it's the Matt Warner Grace hits. Uh, Manchester Orchestra, Everything to Nothing. Oh, yes. It was one of the first, like, alt-rock albums that I was super, super into. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I put uh, Come Win, the Wanderer Wanderer L- L- EP, uh, was pretty much the CD that made me want to be in bands. Yeah. Uh, which I'm is, surprised it's not in your list a little bit. I, I'm, it could have been, uh, but it's not. Um, and I did put uh, Nothing is Sound, Switchfoot. In my honorable mentions. In your honorable mentions, I'm shocked. Yeah, that was that was also hard. I think 
it was a super important record to me as far as listening to music and like being into rock bands. Mm-hmm. But it 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 was like given to me and it you know, it's like mm-hmm. it turned me on to that band. Yeah. But no, it probably should have been in the top ten, and I just—I I, mean, top ten is hard. I just—I I I totally ran out it. of slots. Yeah. But okay, if this—if this was top eleven, it would have been nothing. Got you. Um, I feel bad now. I should have put Switchfoot in my top ten. You're okay. It's just—it's not. There's not enough room. I mean, I'm sure if I thought about this for another day, I would have made changes. But I mean, I—I I just ha- sometimes it just depends on the day. Also. I had to stop. Yeah. Because I was like, I could just go on and on and on forever. All right. Can I revise my guess? Did you look no, when I was I swear in the bathroom? I didn't. Okay. I swear I didn't. What? Because I'm thinking of what you haven't said yet, and it's got to be the Who. It is indeed. Yay! The Who. Who's next? Who's next? Um, when I was a a young boy, my father took me into the city to see the Who. Who's next? <laughs> uh, I will be quiet for the rest of the podcast now. Go ahead. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it was uh, the summer in between my freshman and sophomore year of college. Not college, high school. And uh, I was already playing bass a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and VH1 did a whole week of, they called it VH1 Rock Honors The Who. Oh. And it was basically just like a whole week dedicated to The Who. I don't know why they did it. I don't know what the occasion was. Uh but they showed like Tommy and they showed the documentary and they showed mm. the live footage and they showed, you know, Woodstock and all that stuff. And then it yeah. culminated in like this big concert event. Huh. Um, but somewhere in my 16 year old brain, I was like, you know what? I'm 16 now. I'm going to watch rock and roll thing. And so I spent the whole week <laughs> watching all these documentaries about this band that I'd never listened to before. <laughs> And, uh, at the end of the week, I was like, just, I was changed as a person. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is how the world is. This is how you do a band. And it's because I had watched the documentary. I had known sort of the history and like, Mm -hmm. okay, this was a band that started here. They were like a blues band or like a skiffle band, you know? And then they kind of evolved Mm -hmm. into this thing. And then Pete Townsend invented feedback and guitar smashing and then there's mm-hmm. this whole arms race of amplifiers and Johnny Whistle's like the greatest rock and roll bass player ever and Keith Moon's a lunatic mm-hmm. and then like all that stuff and then I went out and I bought Who's Next because it had the most Who songs I knew on it <laughs> and that was pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, as far as me being a bass player, that's probably the person that I'm aping the most or at least historically have, mm-hmm. I guess. Um and also the Who was first, which then led me into Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and, like, the early Chicago stuff. And all of that came after. Um, and quite possibly more important... So I got Who's Next. Part of the um, the concert... or the, They put out, like, a documentary kind of film in the late 70s um, called The Kids Are All Right. That's the one with, where they're on the, the cover mm-hmm. with, the, uh, with the, the flag. With the flag. From, yeah. Um, 
And part of that was they filmed this live concert that they were going to put in the movie, and then they decided they hated it, so they re-recorded some of the stuff. And the cut of Bob O'Reilly and Won't Get Fooled Again, um, if you look, they're on YouTube. It's, it's live from the Shepard and Studios. Um, Bob O'Reilly, Won't Get Fooled Again, are quite possibly the two most important songs to my musical career ever. Mm-hmm. Um, because I watched those religiously, uh, in part to the fact that part of that deal with the movie was that one of the special features was the ox cam, which is only John <laughs> isolated bass part for won't get fooled again, which mm-hmm. is one of the greatest bass parts of all time. And just watching him stand there, just like, you know, looking super bored the whole time, just absolutely ripping this bass part. And you're listening to it, you're like, that's that's not the bass part to this song. There's no way that all of that is going on underneath what else is happening. And then you listen to it and you're like, oh, that is what's going on. How is he, how is he doing that? All of this stuff happening. How's the... And that's what I've been trying to do for the last 13 years. <laughs> um... So yeah, that's that's it. I, I um yeah, like I said, it could have been really any of the Mannered Ferguson records could have gone in number one, but it's mm-hmm. I think it was more of a combination of all of them. Yeah. Um, whereas this was like a singular. Yeah, it's not like one singular album is like the standout. Right. Important. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, there are those times in your life where you're like headed in one direction, and it's like er, left turn. Yeah. In another direction, and that week and this album was that. As far as me being a musician person and playing in rock and roll bands and stuff. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That was... You are exhausted now. I might have just talked for an hour. Um, I'm unsure. I am am exhausted. uh, I need a cookie. Yeah, it's about that time. Uh, it's, It's my bedtime. I gotta post this and go to bed. I've been yawning the past fifteen minutes. I'm sorry, it's, I talked no, so it's much. not because you're boring. It's just because it's. It's because I'm boring. <laughs> no, it's because I'm tired. I'm old, and I go to bed at midnight. Uh, sorry, this episode really is super long, folks. I mean, it's one fifty. We keep saying that, and it's a good excuse for today. Celebration, bonanza, toaster bonanza, and uh, with that, uh, you should tweet us or message us your. Top ten important albums, or at least some of your important albums. We want to know what they are. Uh, Let us know what you want to hear next time. Uh, Sounds like we got our reviews scheduled out for a while, but we'd still like to know what you want us to talk about or what games we should play. Uh, You can follow us on our social medias. You can send us messages. You can email us at sleepingsituation at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes, all that good junk. We post episodes every Wednesday now. And uh, thank you for listening. Y'all are great. And we hope you're doing well. Is that it? I think so. Okay, bye. Goodbye.